Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's definitely the first time I'm saying that today. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the last week. I'm Nick <laughs> Pananto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Hey, hey. Matt, how, how are you still doing? I am still doing great, Nick. How are you? That's, I'm also doing great. Um, I've, I've seen some movies since we talked about Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> Excellent. What have you watched? Uh, I watched two movies. I watched Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, and I watched this other movie called Runaway Jury. Never heard of that one. Uh, I had heard of it and only found out today after I watched it that it's a John Grisham. Oh. Which makes sense. So it probably has a terrible ending. It's way it too does funny. have a terrible ending, yeah. Spoiler alert for anything <laughs> John Grisham. Um, uh, what did you watch? Well, I watched Signs, <laughs> and then I watched The Sixth Sense, and then I watched Dark Phoenix, in wow. spite of having had no plans to see this for a very long time. Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear about Dark Phoenix, because... I- I'm actually looking forward to talking about it. Okay, great. Um, well, I guess... Um... Why don't you start since you saw three movies? Okay. Um, should I wait till I get to Dark Phoenix to do Preview Corner? Yes. All right. Uh, then why don't I start with Signs? Okay. So Signs is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, let's see. The plot of this movie is Mel Gibson and his brother and Mel Gibson's two kids live on a farm, and he is a retired... Uh, priest his wife is dead and that's the setting um an alien shows up and then more (laughs) aliens show up um really it starts out with them finding like a crop circle in the yard something's creeping around in their in their farm area (laughs) and it's kind of out of order because this alien's there but then later they're like oh no spaceships and i'm like huh feel like the spaceship should have come first okay well whatever and uh this movie is not good um (laughs) i know a lot of people like it and i can sort of understand why like if it weren't for the completely unnecessary plot like subplot about faith and stuff and m night Shyamalan's dialogue this would probably be a pretty decent like alien movie. There are some creepy moments. Um, M night Shyamalan's not completely untalented. I mean, at least not at this point. So, so there is, there is stuff that works. Um, there are elements that are effective. Uh, was, um, was this his third movie? Like, was this after unbreakable this? Yeah. Yeah. This is after unbreakable. So this is when things started going downhill for him. Yes, yes. And I remember seeing this in the theater and being like, man, that was like a decent movie that had a lot of crappy stuff in it. And that's kind of like how I felt this time. Um, resident expert of everything, Heather Treat and I decided to watch this. And uh, we we decided to watch it because we wanted something we could kind of laugh at and make fun of a bit. Um, it's, you know, it, it's not when I saw it in the theater, I was super disappointed because I had liked the sixth sense and unbreakable. Um, but coming back to it, to laugh at it, I realized that it's not as shyamalan as the movies that have come out since. So it wasn't just like tons of like ripping on it. Um, there are just a lot of little decisions here and there that are unnecessary. The dialogue is, there is Shyamalan dialogue in it, so meaning there is some stuff that's dumb and overdone, but it's it's not as much as you know something like Lady in the Water or The Happening. Um, so you know it's it was fairly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, the faith stuff definitely. I think Shyamalan includes a lot of faith and fate and destiny and things like that because that's his way of seeing the world. And he thinks that he is destined by some larger 
forced to like be incredible. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's just so impressed with himself that I, I have think that same problem. Uh, yeah. I think that's why this stuff's in there. It's, it's because he's just trying to reinforce himself. Oh, you don't mean with M night Shyamalan. You mean with yourself? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the music kind of shows its hand a lot where, you know, you can feel the Shyamalan in it when it's like overly dramatic or gets like, I guess a dramatic in both senses of like, some things are supposed to be very epic and other things are supposed to be extremely uplifting. Um, and it's just kind of one of the cues as to like how, just how, how seriously he takes himself. Um, but it it was enjoyable enough. Um, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. I mean, I think people are familiar with the movie for the most part. Um, I don't know. You've seen this. Are, are there things that kind of, when you're just remembering it, kind of stand out to you as like good memories or um, moments that are memorable in one way or another? Yeah. I mean, um, I kind of think the opposite of about it that, that you said, where you said it's a decent movie with some crappy parts. Like, I think it's a crappy movie with some decent parts in it. Um, like for instance, like that scene where like they're showing the home video footage of that children's party and like the alien like walks across the alleyway or something or the doorway. Uh huh. Like, like that's genuinely terrifying. Like I was like, man, that's awesome. And then, and then there's like a couple other moments in the movie that I, I can't really remember, but like that, that's, I can't remember them, but they stand out. But yeah. for the most part, the movie like really just pissed me off where, <laughs> where like, like the whole swing away and oh God, yeah, like, and, and like that doesn't actually even matter. Right. Like, like he's like an old baseball player and she's like dying and she's like swing away Mac or whatever his name is Morgan. and Morgan and and what she really means is smash the fish tank because the aliens are allergic to water. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then like at the beginning of this movie, I, I, okay, let me, let me clarify something. Cause I'm with you too. Like, I think that this movie is overall a decent idea with some elements of it that run throughout the entire movie that suck and ruin it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it ends up being, a bad movie with good moments. So, so I'm, I'm actually on the same page as you. Okay. Um, and things like that, like the swing away is terrible. The, the, also it, the, the alien where it's like standing in the room where it's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it doesn't make any of those noises. <laughs> it's, it's standing there holding a uh, Kieran Culkin in its hands or Corin, having Corin a- Culkin. I think Karen is right. No, there there are three of them. There's three of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, where he's having another asthma attack. Yeah, and then the it tries to spray poison into his lungs, but because he has an asthma attack, he can't breathe it in. His or to to put it in Mel Gibson's words, his lungs were closed. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how asthma works it's not that's not how oh asthma God. works at all um, so anyway yeah his lungs were closed so he lives um but like the swing away like there are all these dumb moments um a lot of them around oh maybe it's not morgan maybe it's merrill um like he goes into an army recruiter's office and this weird army recruiter guy whose face is just jacked up um delivers these weird lines and speechy stuff it's very shamalani and then some other some loser that's in the office for some reason just doodling or something is like yeah that's that's merrill or morgan i don't know uh he's terrible he he also has the biggest <laughs> strikeout rate because they because he was a minor league player and apparently everyone's play, paying attention to the minor leagues here right. and the army recruiters like hey wait a minute did you do you play baseball? Are you are you the guy who hit that one home run that was like five hundred and seven feet and blah, blah 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 and like gives all these stats and stuff and I'm like, uh, clearly you know exactly who he is. Why are you asking him if he's played baseball? Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's just bad 
bad Shyamalan dialogue, but there's also moments like where it's like it's 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 like um in Point Break where everyone remembers Keanu Reeves' college football career, right? Yeah, nobody. That is not a thing. Mm-hmm. Like maybe someone who's in the stands at a football game, you know, years later would say, "Oh, I remember that because I'm a fan of this team and I've always been here for these things." And here we are in a football setting. But yeah. you're not going to just be walking around and having randos on the street being like, oh, my God, you're that guy who did that thing that maybe 10,000 people saw. Anyway, you're, you're a college quarterback who never made it in the pros. I remember you along with everyone in Los Angeles. Right. Name name one college player of any sport right now. Exactly. I can't, okay. I can't. Point proven. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, name a minor league player. Oh gosh, I can't. Point proven again. Okay. Now there's. I, I tried from, to. From what I understand, <laughs> never going to get to talk about this dog thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. From what I understand of uh, 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 of baseball minor leagues. Uh, they just had the baseball draft the other day or the other week, uh-huh. and um, apparently there's like 40 rounds to the baseball draft, and I never realized that till this till this year. And all I could think is, I bet I could make it to a minor league baseball team. <laughs> like, like I'm I wouldn't be any good at all, but I bet I would still get drafted because there's just so many teams out there. There's just so many minor league baseball teams across the country that they must just be desperate for players who are willing to to make no money because they don't have to pay them minimum wage. Maybe. I don't know. I don't really know anything about minor league uh, anything. It's a racket. Well, and, if, and you know I wouldn't be making the team. You tried throwing a baseball with me once. You saw what happens. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad. It's we got bad. you there. Matt can't throw a baseball. <laughs> um but uh but yeah there's there other uh, some other dumb things include like at the beginning of the movie their dog cuz apparently animals act funny now mind you they have two dogs and one of them's perfectly fine but the other one tries to quietly attack the daughter and the son stabs it with a kitchen knife and all is well like nothing comes the kid is not even like traumatized or anything he's just like he was gonna kill what's her face and kill her that's what he says he doesn't say like he was trying to bite her or anything like that and by the way i don't know why he had a kitchen knife with him but he goes the dog attacker because the animals are acting funny because of aliens oh okay makes sense well that's what they say but then again like i said there's another dog they have two german shepherds and one of them's just fine. And then later in the movie, they forget it and leave it outside while they're trying to secure the house from the aliens. And I don't know. I think it. I think it gets killed too. I think there's like a barking, 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 and then like a, you know, like right sound effect. Dog is dog, killed. Dog dying. Yelp. And I got to tell you, man, those are not good dog owners. I would not be leaving my dog outside while there are aliens around. And I would not be stabbing my dog casually because I think it might bite me or my sister. I'm sorry. If my dog tried to bite my sister, I'd be like, hey, stop it. And I'd yank it around and take it in a room and close the door. But anyway, you know, he had a he had a knife just, on it just, for some reason. So. You're just missing out on a great opportunity to stab a dog. Yeah, I guess so. So that's signs. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you watch? Uh, so I watched... Uh, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Uh, which spoiler is a alert, movie. what a great movie. It is terrific. Um, and surprisingly, its IMDb score is only 7.4, which is terribly low, I think, for this That's movie. That's lower than Aquaman. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, and this movie is uh, straight up excellent. Uh, it's from 2003, directed by Peter Weir. Peter Weir. Uh, it stars Russell Crowe, who has never been better. Uh, I think he's better in this movie than he is in Gladiator. Um, Paul Bettany is in this movie. He and plays the, 
the ship doctor. He is awesome. The two of uh, them together too, man. They have great screen chemistry. They really do. They're they're really good together. You, you could believe that they have been like it's hard for me to to imagine them not being friends outside of making a movie together. Uh huh. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a really good movie. Um, it basically takes place during. Uh, I'm going to read the description here during the Napoleonic Wars, which is the late 1700s. A brash British captain, who is Russell Crowe, pushes his ship and crew to their limits in the pursuit of a formidable French war vessel around South America. And that's, that really is the plot of the movie, is, is basically this, this British uh, warship is hunting down this French privateer um, who is hunting them down. So it's like a game of cat and mouse on the high seas during the 1700s. And... And man, does it make me appreciate the the modern times we live in, because I cannot I cannot imagine life as like a sailor in the 1700s. I mean, I can imagine it in the sense that uh, it was just presented to me visually, but I mean, <laughs> but I mean, like the the idea of having to live this life for years at a time, like you go out on this boat and you're out there for years and years and you're like in constant peril and, and just the, the conditions of life back then. Well, Man. I think one of the, one of the most hard hitting, like that's got to suck things is there's a period where there's no wind and they're just stuck on the water. Yeah. That's just yeah. the worst. That's the worst. That's kind of where the movie takes kind of a weird turn. Um, cause, yeah, uh, it's a little like paranormal. Yeah. Superstitious, well, like, I guess. Yeah, because they start blaming this one, this one guy that they don't like. Um, th- they they start calling him the Jonah, which is like the the he's basically cursed, and as long as he's alive, like the ship is going to be cursed. And basically, they convince. Spoiler alert for this movie. Um, basically, <laughs> they can they convince him to kill himself, or he he like convinces himself to kill himself, and then when he does, the wind comes back. Yeah. And, and like, even the captain is like, well, you know, some people are just cursed and, uh, and it's great. It's, it's just so well done. Like all the characters in the movie make sense. Like you really get a feel for, for the camaraderie of, of being on this ship. Um, there's even like this one sequence where the captain has to have one of his men whipped and he and Paul Bettany have this big argument about it. And while they're having this argument, they're like shouting at each other, but they're still very polite. And like they're, they're speaking in that like 1700s way, which um, which again is right in my wheelhouse right now because of Poldark. Great show um, where everyone is very proper to each other. And they're like and, and they're 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 having this disagreement, but they're 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 still friendly with each other kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Um and it's just so well done. Like, I can't believe there aren't more of these movies. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's so disappointing to know that that so was supposed to be a series and it wasn't. Yeah. But it is a great a whole movie series on its of own. Um, I mean, go ahead. I mean, uh, I recently watched that In the Heart of the Sea movie, which oh, right, takes yeah. place in kind of the same time period. And this is just so much better. Although the special effects are really really getting dated in uh master and commander like, really there's a couple of yeah like some of them look really bad now like there's this one sequence where paul bettany is standing on a cliff in the galapagos islands and you can just tell that he's standing on some green screen uh backdrop oh, and that's- and you're like and you're like oh well i guess it has been almost 20 years like some of this stuff is going to start to look pretty bad and some of the the stuff at sea looks pretty bad but but the story is so good that you don't care like like who gives a shit um but like what a what a great movie if you haven't seen master and commander i would i would highly recommend checking it out well it's, when it, it's sorry go ahead no go ahead uh, uh when it comes to the I, I wouldn't want to turn anyone off with the like paranormal or superstitious part of it because like when it comes to that it doesn't ruin things like it turns into a weird, stupid movie or anything. It's like it's just things go that way 
And so as a as an audience member for a moment, you kind of go like, wait a minute, am I supposed to is, – is, was he actually supposed to be cursed? And it kind of puts you in the position of the characters who like – you're like, oh, well, I could see how easy it would be for them to buy into these superstitions. Yeah. You know, because it's like, no, of course the wind's going to come back at some point, you know? Yeah. But it's still like, well, yeah, it would happen sometime after that, you know, if someone – took this on themselves and killed themselves this way and it does make sense that this character would feel like he's bringing down the ship entirely because he's just bad he's just someone who doesn't belong there at all yeah he, he's not made for it. he's what i would be <laughs> if i was on a <laughs> ship like that yeah me too and, yeah. Uh, there's that one sequence where they they send him up to save somebody there's like a bad storm and a guy is, is struggling to bring in one of the sails uh-huh. and and they're like I think his name is Hollum, and they're like, Hollum, go up there and help Mr. Whoever. And he gets, like, halfway up, and he starts, like, freaking out because he's scared. And basically the, the guy he's going to help dies. Um, and the whole crew blames him for it. Yeah. And and I in, in that moment, you're like, I, I can't really blame him because I would be scared out of my mind trying to climb up this thing in the middle of a storm. Oh, yeah, I'd have a like, total panic attack. Like... Like the fact that that first guy is up there at all, and and he, he's like trying to do his best, but like the wind is just too much, and he's like, I need I need help up here, and and like they send they start sending people up to help him, and then like he basically gets blown away when the the mast falls off the ship, and then like I think the most powerful moment of the movie is like he's like swimming back to the ship. Like this guy who who's gone overboard, he's swimming back to the ship and he's just swimming towards the wreckage, but the wreckage is bringing the ship down. Like it's, it's yeah. acting as like a big anchor and he's like 20 feet away from the wreckage. And Russell Crowe has to make the decision to cut away the wreckage, basically uh, condemning this guy to death. Yeah. And, and it is, it is a powerful scene. Like you can tell, like, he like Russell Crowe is a really good captain. He's he cares about his men and his men care about him and they all believe in him and yeah. and and he believes in his ship. Like like it, it's 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 a really powerful moment and he he has to kill this man and basically he has to have some of the crewmates help him do it in order to save the ship. And and this like things like that like these decisions and the debates that have that go back and forth. This movie is very character driven, mm-hmm. but but it unlike a lot of movies that are supposed to be about characters, it is very much driven by the characters. Like like it it is pushed forward. It's very exciting even when stuff's not happening in a sense of like action. Yeah, you know I it's mean, even- it's not just about the characters, but they really move it along. There's like a a bunch of young, I I, I don't want to say men, but like boys on the show. Oh yeah, one's like ten years old. Yeah, he looks like it anyway. He looks like he's ten, and he's like put in charge of the ship at one point. Like I don't understand how how that worked back in the day. Like like did he just have money and and he was like like why does that kid in that position? Yeah, but like yeah. That, but like that kid is like does a phenomenal job in the movie like as far as acting goes and like he loses his arm uh in one of the early battles and like Russell Crowe clearly cares about the kid everybody on the ship cares about the kid like there's 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 no point in the movie when when people are like the only the only person that gets treated poorly by the crew is the guy who kills himself like everybody on the ship really cares about each other. Well, and you can see it in some of these really subtle ways too. Like I, I, if I'm remembering right, when the kid is getting his arm taken off, like they're like Russell Crowe, the, the character that Russell Crowe is playing is like pretty unshakable. Uh-huh. But in that moment, you see this expression on his face and he kind of turns away and you're like, Oh, he can't handle it. Um, huh, that, all right. I think, I think the part you're thinking of is Paul Bettany gets shot on accident Okay. And he has to he has to perform surgery on himself. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And um Russell Crowe has to has to help and he's like if if you have the stomach for it. And he's like I've been around wounds my entire life. And Paul Bettany is basically digging into himself with a scalpel and Russell Crowe is just kind of like oh my god. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like whimpering internally. Yeah, but but like he's such a man that he like 
sticks with it. Yeah. And he's like, he's like there for his friend the whole time. Well, and speaking of being a man, I think there's a, there's not a single female in this entire movie. Which that's isn't me true. saying that's that's not me saying this movie's good because there are no women in it. I'm just I'm just pointing out it's probably well, I mean, one of uh, very few movies I've seen who who that don't have any not a single female character, which totally if, makes if there, sense given the setting. If there were females in it, there would be um, there are a couple females in it at like this one scene when they're uh, like visiting a South Pacific island or something like that, or the coast of Brazil or whatever. But like the ladies don't have any lines; they're just like chicks in a boat and russell crowe like eyes this one girl up um but like if there were women on the ship there'd be some sort of love story which wouldn't belong at all yeah um but but yeah it's such a such a great movie like again it makes me wish i knew anything about tying knots and (laughs) and like anything about ships like i mean the, the like this this crew and also, uh, here's another thing I don't understand about ships is how, how, where do they put all this stuff? Like at one point they lose like a mast and like they rebuild have another it. mast. Yeah. They have like another mast, like in the basement of the ship. Like where, where do they keep all this stuff? Like they've got buckets of paint. They have all this food, like all kinds of stuff. Like where do they, where do they keep all this stuff? Um, but that's just like a question I have about general ship shipmanship. So <laughs> that's what it's called. Yeah. Seamanship. There you go. Um, but, uh, but what a good movie. Like, 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 like I said, I don't know anything about the Navy or, or being a sailor, but by the end of this movie, you feel like you're a part of the crew. Like you feel like you're you're on board, and like they they say naval things like uh, like I don't know what direction starboard is or right. or is it uh huh oh well or the other ones port like is port to the left yeah why why is that the word oh I don't know yeah oh okay um, I remember which ones which because. Right has more letters than left, and starboard has more letters than port. Oh, well, and now you'll know to that too. It. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like, but like the movie, like they say all of these naval things, but like it's never, it never feels over your head, or you never feel like you're being lost in the in the in the goings of the movie. Like it, the yeah. movie really brings you along for the journey. Yeah, it's not like reading a Tom Clancy novel. Yeah. Like it's not overly smart for the sake of being overly smart. It's kind of like it, it's kind of like uh, speaking of Tom Clancy, uh, Hunt for Red October, but with old boats. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a great analogy, and I love both of those movies. They're and now terrific. I want to I want to watch them both and then put them very high on my ranking list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's really all I got to say about Master and Commander. Um, definitely check it out. And if you have seen it, watch it again. It holds up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Just, just the interaction between Paul Bettany and Russell Crowe is just, just great. And there's really good music in it. There is really good music. You're right. Um, I was reading the IMDB trivia for it and it said that like Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany play, um, like the violin and the cello during the movie. And, um, and uh, Russell Crowe really learned how to play the violin for the movie. Yeah. So that's like a neat little trivia bit. I, you know, I, he's a musician, so it might uh, not not that it's not a still a big deal to learn how to play something that nicely. But um, uh, he, he plays guitar and stuff. So and I don't know if it's quite the, the feat that I had assumed it was when I first heard that. What the hell are you doing? I dropped a thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, you all right, hear so that? I, I couldn't even hear that. Are you kidding? It was like, ping. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so uh, should I go to the Sixth Sense? Sure. Okay. The Sixth Sense. On your Shamalamathon. Yeah. And, you know, this one's got the twist. So, uh. If you don't know about the sixth sense, 
don't listen to this. <laughs> Skip ahead like <laughs> maybe like 12 minutes because and, and go watch it. It's a really good movie. Um, so the plot is uh, Bruce Willis is a psychologist. He gets shot by one of his former clients who was a kid when he worked with him. And then he starts working with another kid who. Oh, man, I is, never knew that. What? That what's his name was one of his clients. Oh yeah, that's Donnie Wahlberg from New Kids on yeah. the Block. Right. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, that's really. I mean, I haven't seen the movie in like twenty years. So. Okay, you probably knew it when you watched it, um, but forgot it over time. Yeah, because it's the whole point is like he's making up for his mistake um, by treating Haley Joel Osment's character, who basically is in the same position. And so, like, he he eventually, you know, the the kid reveals. Did Donnie that, Wahlberg see dead people too? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's totally spelled out. So, like I said, I think you just forgot it over time. Wow, um, it's completely spelled out. Because when and I'll, and I'll tell you, you're you're going to remember it probably now because I'll, I'll I'm going to walk you through a plot point. So, Haley Jules Osmond's character reveals that he sees dead people, and that they're always like freaking them out. They're everywhere. They don't know that they're dead. Um, and he's trying to help Haley Joel Osment's character. I don't remember what his name is right now. Um, and Oh, his name's Cole. So he's trying to help Cole out. And um, Tony Collette plays Cole's mother and she's awesome. And she's gorgeous in this movie too, by the way. Um, and he, when once Haley Joel Os or once Cole tells whoever Bruce Willis is that he can see dead people at first. He doesn't really believe him, but then he's listening to a tape in his ghost world. I guess he's listening to a tape of a session that he had with Donnie Wahlberg's character when he was a kid. And there's a moment in the tape where Bruce Willis walks out of the room and it's still recording. And so he turns up the tape player really loud and then he can hear the ghost talking with the kid who he had originally been working with. And that's wow. when he goes like, Oh, okay. There really are ghosts. The kid that I worked with before who shot himself as an adult really heard ghosts. Cole probably really hears ghosts. Let me think about this. And then he tells Cole like, Hey, start talking with the ghost. That's probably the only thing you can do. And, uh, and then everything gets resolved there and Cole's happy. And then Bruce Willis realizes that he's been dead the whole time. <gasps> and there are a ton of things, a ton of things in this movie that don't work. <laughs> There's just <laughs> like when you go like, oh, it, well, because the kids said that the ghosts see what they want to see. There are a lot of places where you can kind of go, oh, okay. That thing that shouldn't make sense makes sense if you get in the head of the ghost and say he doesn't know he's a ghost. But there's a lot that doesn't work, but it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It's done well enough uh, that – and there are enough like kind of seeds planted and enough things where they're like, oh, well, you would think that this wouldn't work, but be, we'll show it to you. So like when he realizes he's a ghost, you see all these things in reverse, like a door that he thought was locked actually had a – a table in front of it. And, you know, he thought he was talking with his wife, but she was just on her own responding to having missed, you know, having her husband be dead. Um, so, so you get to see a bit of the character, the ghost character convincing itself of things or seeing things differently. And it makes, it gives, it, it makes you have a, a lot of slack for, other things that you might have a problem with otherwise. Um, so, so in the end it's really good and I actually super enjoy this movie still. I, I, it, it, it makes me so much more mad that M. Night Shyamalan sucks as much as he does since then. <laughs> um, but damn, it is a good movie uh, and a total recommend. Now I remember when the movie first came out, you did not care for it. That's not true at all. I loved Sixth Sense. The the I saw it in the theater and I loved it. 
Yeah, so you well, must remember, be confusing it with something else because I no, I hated no, I, signs. I hated signs, but I loved. I definitely it. remember it was you because you predicted the ending. No, you were like no, you figured it out. No, I, I predicted the end of Fight Club. Uh, my sister predicted the end of The Sixth Sense. I did not. You were thinking of somebody else because I totally loved The Sixth Sense, and I did not see the end coming at all. When it happened, I was like, "What?" <laughs> um. Yeah, I need to watch that again. I haven't seen it in so long. I don't even remember anything about the Donnie Wahlberg stuff. Yeah, you really should watch it again. It, it, I, I was slightly nervous going back to it, and there are a couple, you know, there are a couple moments where the dialogue gets a little Shyamalan-y, but it's not bad. And mm-hmm. it, it, all together, the thing just still rocks. Cool. Yeah, check it out. All right, great. All right, so then the other movie that I saw this week was. Runaway Jury from 2003 uh, is directed by Gary Fielder and it stars John Cusack, Gene Hackman, Dustin Hoffman, Rachel Weisz, uh, and Bruce Davidson, who was the the senator from the first X-Men movie who turns into like the oh, fish water oh, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's all I can think whenever I see that guy. <laughs> um, but uh, so... This movie is based on a John Grisham novel, I guess, that I'd never heard of. And um, basically, there's this court trial, of course, and uh, a gun manufacturer is being sued by Dylan McDermott's wife because of a a mass shooting at their office. Um, And it's kind of poignant uh, today because mass shootings are so prevalent. and and like the gun control debate still rages uh highly today like this movie's kind of uh still relevant i mean it's almost 20 years old and it's like a post 9-11 movie but it feels like it could have been made recently Mm -hmm. um so that's that's kind of interesting but but basically like it starts out as just like a regular trial movie where this lady is suing uh the gun company for making guns uh so widely available to people who who shouldn't have guns and and then slowly the movie just turns into john cusack is trying to sell he gets himself put on the jury for this case in order to sell uh he 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 and rachel weiss are working together and he is going to uh, Dustin Hoffman's working for the the Dylan McDermott's wife, and Gene Hackman works for the gun company. And John Cusack is on the jury, and for ten million dollars, he will deliver a verdict for whoever gives him the money. So that's basically the plot of the movie, and it takes forever to get going. Uh, uh, like like it because like the first 45 minutes of this movie is just like a regular courtroom kind of drama and then the twist happens where john cusack and rachel weiss are working together and and then they're 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 like extorting both sides of the of the uh ball and and then there's another twist like later where you find out that John Cusack isn't who he says he is. He's like some other guy from like way back when who's been like trying to get on one of these court cases for forever as revenge for another mass shooting when he was in high school. And it's really convoluted and it gets really stupid and the ending is bad. Uh <laughs> It's it, it turns into a pretty dumb movie, um, but Gene Hackman is really good in it because he's Gene Hackman. Um, Dustin Hoffman is pretty good. Uh, I always like Joan or John Cusack. No Joan Cusack. Uh, Jeremy Piven is in this movie because it's a jo- John Cusack movie, um, and uh, and you think that his character is going to be important, but he's not. He's not important at all. Like I guess he just needed some work. So John Cusack was like, Jeremy, you want to be in this movie since we're best friends right now before you're on Entourage? And and you think that John or you think that Jeremy Piven's going to be a part of like the one of the four twists in the movie, and he's not. He's not at all. He doesn't matter. He doesn't matter at all. His character is a complete waste of time. Um, 
And I, I really think that that's about all I have to say about Runaway Jury. It's not very good, and uh, but it has some pretty good performances. And uh, but it is way too long. Yeah, boy, those performances don't make that sound like it's worth watching. No, there are way better Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman movies. And uh, John Cusack doesn't really fight anyone in this movie, although he does hit a car with a pipe. Ah. So there's that. Um, <laughs> John Cusack's not exactly someone I think of as a fighter, so I don't know. That, like, I don't know. All the, <laughs> like all the movies that I really like John Cusack in, he's fighting somebody. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, that's, that's Runaway Jury. I would not recommend it. Is uh. And I definitely didn't know it was a John Grisham thing until the credits were rolling. So take that for what it is. All right. Yeah. The end. Okay. All right. Now I think it's time for America's favorite segment, Preview Corner. All right. So uh, Preview Corner. We got, I think, seven movies to go with here. Um, First, I saw a preview for, well, I've noticed that it's usually eight. Um, like that's how many previews seem to be before most movies now. Um, mm. so I, I kind of count to see, um, first preview was for the lion King. Uh, I hate the original lion King. So I'm like, really? really? I'm, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I thought the movie was fucking stupid. It's like oh. the, the beginning and the end are relevant. And then the whole middle is just like pointless Hakuna Matata crap. <laughs> but it makes me torn because I'm watching this and I'm like, man, the, the, just the look of it, like is so incredible. Um, I, I, I'm probably going to end up in the theater just cause it looks so neat. I was having this debate in my head and I was like, look, Matt, you saw fucking Dumbo in the theater. I think you can handle <laughs> going to see the Lion King. Uh, it, it, it does make me wonder like, cause there's one point in the preview where, the the boy lion and the girl lion um, are drinking water across a stream from one another, uh-huh. and it made me remember back to the the cartoon where like there's a moment where the the woman lion is giving him the do me eyes. Oh yeah, like the straight up f me eyes. And, and so I'm kind of like, I wonder how they're gonna do that with this yeah. this animation. And then you realize that they're like brother and sister. Ah, uh, gross. Yeah. Well, Game of Thrones reemerges. Um, <laughs> saw another preview for Gemini Man. I I don't Is it know. A new trailer I, or the same one? It's probably the same one. I'm I'm bored with Will Smith, but he does still have a charismatic thing about him. Um, he looks a little weird, de-aged. Uh, like there's something about I can't quite place because I can't point out like here's the part that looks unrealistic about his de-aging. I think it might have something to do with the movement of his face, um, but it's a little strange. Um, saw another preview for Men in Black 4. I got nothing new to say about that. Saw another preview for Hobbs and Shaw. I got nothing new to say about that either. Mm-hmm. Um, saw a preview for It 2, or It Chapter 2. Uh-huh. Um, Is this the one with the old lady in the apartment? Yeah, and it's a really long preview. Yeah, um, effective too. It's yeah, it's almost like you're just watching this whole scene. Um and uh yeah, it looks pretty good. I mean, it's definitely going to be better than the original. Um and I did like chapter 1 uh for the most part. Uh so I I'm I'll probably catch this one in the theater. I'm looking forward to it. I'm getting kind of tired of James McAvoy, but whatever. I'll still see it. Oh, is he is he in the new one? Yeah, he's in like everything now. Yeah. But you you were going to ask a question? Um, I didn't see the chapter one. Oh, um, you should check it out. You said it was worth it. Yeah, it it something about it seems a little bit um, like uh, I want to say lifetimey. Like like it doesn't feel quite like a real movie. But I honestly think that might just be my mind doing that because the original it was a TV thing, uh-huh. and I had I saw that so many times as a kid. Because, um, really? you know, that's appropriate for little kids. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen the original either. Really? 
Yeah, I've seen oh. like clips, but like never like sat down to watch the whole thing. Oh uh, well, you know what? Sometime if I'm out in Delaware uh, and you want to sit down for like three and a half hours, um, <laughs> I, I honestly I would not watch it any other way. Do not do not set aside time to watch this on your own um, because it is bad. It's it's really bad. Um, but I think it could be pretty entertaining if you know we were hanging out and maybe had a couple cold ones or something. Uh huh. Um. So anyway, so yeah, the the new version, totally, yeah, check it out. You you probably will enjoy it. Okay. Y- you definitely would if you had seen the original because it's such a step up. Um, but anyway, uh, I saw a preview for a movie called Ford versus Ferrari, which has oh, yeah. Matt Damon and Christian Bale in it. And, yeah, it looks uh, like dad crack. Pretty much, yeah. I, yeah. I that's that's probably a good way to put it because like, I, I like was the only thing that the, the only thing that trailer is missing is Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. I, there's there's a part of me that's mildly interested in the rest of me that's not at all, and I think yeah. that's the part that when you say it seems like a dad movie, I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's that huge part of me. <laughs> like I uh-huh. don't want to see that. Uh-huh. Um. And then I saw a preview for a movie called Ad Astra, which has Brad Pitt going into space. Oh, yeah. I need aliens? to watch this trailer. Does and it look good? It, I don't know what to make of it. I, I, you know, it must it must look kind of good because by the end of it, I was thinking along the lines of I'll, I'll be seeing that in the theater. But uh-huh. some of it's just to figure out what the heck's going on. Uh-huh. Um, and it's got Tommy Lee Jones in space. I think Tommy Lee Jones must be Brad Pitt's father. Um, so, so Brad Pitt's character, uh, he, it, it seems like he's involved in some way in researching something that his dad was working on and it has something to do with communicating with aliens and he's trying to sabotage something. And that's about as good as I can do as far as like explaining what it is. So, uh, uh-huh. That's yeah, that but it looks interesting, so I'll probably I'll probably go see it. Okay. Uh all right. So that's it for preview corner. Oh, okay. Any new developments in the world of Coca-Cola? No. Okay. No. <laughs> but I have had the diet version of or the zero version of the uh Coke orange and vanilla. That was pretty good. I like the so regular my, version. My own personal developments with Coke, yes. <laughs> but as far as like in the theater experience, no. I just saw that same stupid commercial where they finish each other's sentences. Yeah, I'm sick of that. All right. So. <laughs> it sounded like a car stopping. <laughs> Dark Phoenix. Um, and, and I don't know if you noticed this, but this movie's not called X-Men Dark Phoenix. It's just Dark Phoenix. Uh, depending on where you are in the world, some places it's called X Men Dark Phoenix. Well, I'm in America, so I'm going to go. With <laughs> um, and uh, so the let's see the the plot of this movie is I don't really want to spoil anything. I don't. I don't. You're very familiar with the Dark Phoenix saga, so I don't know because I never read it. I don't know what's actually from that and what's not. But I'll I'll say that this is a lot different from. Uh, the X Men Three uh, Last Stand. So it does. It doesn't feel so recycled. Um, and I had not been interested in seeing this at all, but then I heard two different very positive reviews of it, and it got me curious. Um. So anyway, uh, the idea is that Jean Grey, and I have no idea. I never saw Apocalypse, so I don't know how much of this was tied in or connected at all with anything in apocalypse i feel like it shouldn't be um but i also had heard at some point that some phoenixy stuff happened in apocalypse so i don't know um yeah if i remember right she that's how she defeats apocalypse like with sand blasts from her phoenix rays or something like that yeah she like walks on air and it's terrible huh well, this this starts out with her sort of causing an accident as a kid um, and then kind of cuts to the to now. Well, not really now. It takes place in the 90s. Um, but the whole movie takes place then. So present day 90s. 
Um, so this movie takes place in the 90s, but Apocalypse took place in like 1983. Yeah, this is like 92, I think. So um, it's supposed to be like 10 years later. Yeah, and nobody is aged 10 years. Yeah. So whatever. I, I saw. I don't know why I they felt like a, they have uh, to be in separate decades. I saw a thing online that posted a picture of um, Michael Fassbender from Dark Phoenix next to a, a picture of uh, who plays old Magneto, Ian McKellen. Yeah. Um, next to Ian McKellen from the 2000 X-Men movie. Yeah. And they're like, look what happened to Magneto between 1993 and 2000. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, I, like I said, I didn't see apocalypse, but it feels like it's a way to nobody's aged enough at all, mm-hmm. especially since like first class. Yeah. It was in the sixties. Yeah. So they should be like, 35 years old or something and is um is the beast in this movie yeah now i just found out like i never put it together but like the guy who plays the beast is nicholas holt yeah and he's the guy who's the zombie in warm bodies yeah uh he looks completely different like no i never i didn't put that together at all yeah, he looks exactly the same. I don't know how you had trouble putting that together. He even, he even looks the same as he did in About a Boy. He's in About a Boy? Yeah, he's the boy. He's the little boy in About a Boy? Yeah, we're old, Nick. We're real old. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. We're probably as old as Hugh Grant was in that movie. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. So now that existential crisis is set in. <laughs> uh, 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 so, okay. So then in present day or 1992, um, there's something going on in space and the X-Men get involved and a power is absorbed into Jean Grey. And the rest of the movie is her struggling with this power and hurting people along the way, really. And, people trying to figure out what to do about it. And unfortunately there are some aliens involved in the plot, but I'll kind of leave it at that. I don't think they're the spoily stuff, but um, there, there are some things that happen throughout the movie that I don't think the trailer gives away. I'm not sure. Um, But this movie's pretty short. Uh, I think it was, I think it was, it might've just been a little bit over an hour and a half. Really? Um, maybe it's definitely under two hours. I'm, I'm, I'm confident about that. Um, and so it does feel a little bit rushed, but given the, the, the way it plays out, I don't feel like if the, it had been longer, it would have necessarily been better. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophie Turner does a good job. Uh, my expectations for her acting are usually pretty low, but I think she did a good job in it. Um, and the movie itself is a lot better than I had expected before hearing the positive reviews. Uh-huh. The reviews I had heard may have like overstated things a little bit, but I would recommend this movie. Um, I, I never saw uh, Apocalypse. I know it's like the fifth time I've said this. So, uh, Have you seen Apocalypse? Is that a joke? Yes. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, so so yeah. Um, but but I I imagine this is a lot better than Apocalypse. So I, I I can't compare it directly, but I think based on what you've said about it and what other people have said about it, I would imagine this is a, a quite a bit better. Um, watch it. I do not want to. And uh, and I haven't heard anything positive about it. So so no no I got convinced to see this by positive reviews. Um, Jennifer, you should watch it because it's really bad. No, nah, I don't, I don't want to. Is it the only one you haven't seen? Yes. Well, you got to see all of them. Well, uh, if I'm hanging out, no, I don't. <laughs> but if I'm hanging <laughs> out, if I'm hanging out with you and we watch it, then we can follow it up with with uh, Apocalypse. Oh, I don't ever want to watch it again. <laughs> well, then I'm not gonna. Um, Jennifer Lawrence almost gave half, half a crap in this movie, um, in some scenes. Um, 
but that's it. So that's not that's not actually a positive thing. She did whatever. She she wasn't she wasn't anything great. Uh, the character does a couple things like she's arguing a bit with um professor x and and xavier's a bit flawed in this movie i don't know if that's the case before but um it's it's pretty cool like there's a lot of uh character ambiguity and even though jennifer lawrence and i'm not necessarily criticizing her as an actress altogether um i just think she hasn't wanted to be in these movies for so long and Mm. they've kept her in it um i didn't even realize she was in this one yeah yeah and she's got kind of an important role and and in terms of the debate that goes on between her and xavier it it does make the movie pretty interesting i i do have the feeling if this movie was like a two and a half hour movie like the other x-men movie i probably would be pretty down on it um but there's not a whole lot of time to get real critical of things um and it ended up being pretty enjoyable. I think they reused the lobby from the Matrix Two, you know, <laughs> with the stairwell where they're they're like fighting across these like two rising stairs across the lobby from one another. Um, and that was kind of weird. It just stood out to me. I was like, I feel like I've been here before. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got to say about it. You know, if if it was something that you had seen too, I'm sure we could get into a longer discussion. Um, but without wanting to spoil anything, I think that's probably that's probably where I should leave it. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I need to see it, but I'm probably not going to see it in the theaters, which is going to be like the first X Men movie I don't see in theaters. Oh, that's uh. That's too bad. I I saw it in IMAX and I, it was it was uh it was nice. There's a, I I don't know that the effects are all perfect or anything, but there were a lot of points where I was like, this is pretty to watch. Yeah. Okay. So maybe if it ends up being like a you know matinee and you you just are free. Okay. That's it. All right. Um. Well, I guess it's time to do our famous segment, our movie rankings list. I guess I'll go first because I'm filling it out right now. I'll start with Master and Commander, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to put this up in the number four slot between Braveheart and The Martian. Uh, I'm going to give it five stars because it's fantastic, uh, and it's a total recommend. Uh, It's it's a wonderful movie. Uh, And then I watched Runaway Jury, which is going all the way down to the number 57 slot. In between After Earth and Terminator Genesis. Uh, And this movie is going to get one and a half stars and a no for I don't recommend it. (laughs) So, yeah, there's there's that. Yeah. Let's see. I'm going to open up your list. Matt, you saw three movies this week. That is true. I saw uh, I'll start from the top and I'll I'll go with the sixth sense, um, which I am placing under actually you know what i was gonna place it under spider-man into the spider-verse but i think i'm gonna place it under the nice guys oh between nice guys and avengers endgame yes okay oh and now i'm feeling like i want to put it above the nice guys nope i'll leave it there under the okay. nice guys. uh how many stars for the sixth sense four and a half four point five and I'm guessing that's a recommend. Definitely. All right. And then you saw. And then I'm going to put Dark Phoenix. Well, I saw two more things, but I'm going to go in right. an order. So I'm going to put Dark Phoenix between Snowpiercer and Pumpkinhead. Wow. That's pretty far up there. Uh, I, my expectations were super low. <laughs> so, so I ended up enjoying it a lot. Okay. Uh, but I think I'll give it three stars. Wow. And a thumbs up. Really? Okay. Yeah. And then if we scan, scroll down more mm-hmm. to, you're going to be pleased by this. Uh-huh. Because I'm putting signs beneath contagion. <laughs> <laughs> but better than glass? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely better than glass. It, it wasn't as self-congratulatory as Glass, so I don't feel like as much Shyamalan hatred during it. 
And uh, how many stars would you give it? One and a half. One and a half. Yeah. All right. And is it a recommend? No. No, no, no. No. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, great. Uh, if you're interested in seeing our movie rankings list, check out thisweekinfilm.com. If you click on our letterbox, there's a link to our letterbox page. You can find it there. Or more conveniently, if you click on the episode that's at the top, you can go in there and go down to the rundown, and you will see a link to Nick's list, which is me, and Matt's list, which is Matt's. Um, Matt, anything to plug this week? Yes, actually. And uh, spoiler alert for the future. Uh, I'll recommend this again later. It, <laughs> it, may, it may also be the past. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to recommend Cynical Reviews. And uh-huh. and I'm bringing this up partly because you mentioned Braveheart. And just last night, I watched a two-part Cynical Review of Braveheart um, by this guy. And he's a British dude. Um, it, uh, sometimes he's a little more a little more even picky than I am, but... Uh, but I like him, and when he's going over the Braveheart one, I think you should check it out because um, he likes Braveheart. Uh-huh. Um, but he he's just uh, also a stickler for like accurate history, so he's uh-huh. ripping it apart, <laughs> even though he really enjoys it. Um, uh-huh. So I'd say check it out. Okay, cool. Cynical reviews. Uh, all right. Well, I guess if that is the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. Thanks for listening. 